Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. My Robert LaBaz spot, and I'm right away, go. We invaded airwaves. Why them haters mad? Ain't no stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Ain't no stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. Indeed, indeed. Tell a friend to tell a friend that we're live on the airways right now, and we have a very live show to get to. Um, I will be handling it on the solo dolo tip for tonight's festivities. But nonetheless, there's some great content that I want to discuss with you, with you guys tonight. So <clears throat> some of the things that I want to discuss are, you know, LeBron James, Kanye West, uh, Tyga, and of course, Serena Williams. That's a story that I really want to get to tonight. And we're going to go into full detail with that one as our main talking point for the evening. But before we get to all that, you guys already know that I got some stuff of our to get off of my chest, pardon me. With that being said, I think it's time to let that is breathe. Let this bitch breathe. So, you know, a few things to get off of our chest. So, first and foremost, it's my birthday next week. I just want to put that out there in the ether. <clears throat> happy birthday to me. Really happy birthday advancement. Yes. Uh, but yes, it will be my birthday next week, so that's going to be dope. have no idea what I'm going to do, but, you know, when the time comes, I will know. Uh, nonetheless, um, with that being said, my birthday falls on Labor Day. And whenever Labor Day is around the corner, that means that the summer is about to end. And I feel like the summer has been done ever since August. Like, the moment August comes around, you know it's a wrap. Whenever you see the sun go away at, like, around 8 o'clock like it is right now, that's when you know the summer's done. Like, summer's done. Like, when you're in the peak of the summer, the sun ain't going down until about, like, 9.15. That's when it's, like, fully down. So, the summer's pretty much done. So, now we're just waiting for fall to kick in. And hopefully fall will... Lasts until like December. If that if we get that like we got that last year, I'll be happy. No complaints on my end. But I'm not here to talk about the seasons changing or whatever. One thing I wanted to talk about that I wasn't able to talk about last week because I wasn't able to make it into the studio last week is, you know, I want to talk about Toronto, how it correlates to America and how it wants America's validation. This is something I want. I've been wanting to talk about. You know, in full depth, and I've kind of talked about that a little bit here and there when it correlates to the basketball scene or the music scene and what have you. But let me talk about that right now. And this is also inspired by what I was watching a couple weeks prior. So as we all know, and for those of you, whether you want to admit it or not, I mean, this is the bare bare bones right here. This is the, this is the bare minimum that Toronto has a redheaded stepchild syndrome when it comes to its correlation with America. Yes, Toronto is the fourth largest market in North America as a whole if we're talking about the continent of North America, and majority and the majority of those large markets are American cities. And I get it, a lot of things happen in Toronto that correlate in America. So a lot of movies that are filmed happen in Toronto. All the major sports uh, leagues in that operate in North America are American, and a lot of them have Toronto teams in there. Um, the biggest artist on the planet in Drake, arguably, is from Toronto. 
et cetera, et cetera. I can keep going down the list. But my thing is this. All of these things or a lot of these things don't happen until America gives something that cosign and then we hop on board. Right. I could t- like this goes with everything. And to me, it's getting annoying. But what I want to really hone on in, especially besides from music and, and the arts and fashion or whatever, is dating. Now, for the longest time, and I don't know if it's just, you know, a black thing, because I usually hear it. I usually hear, you know, black people congregate amongst themselves when it comes to this type of topic, when it comes to dating, you know, in, in the city or whatever. And I'm talking about both men and women. I'm not absolving anyone for anything. Like, I'm keeping it down the middle. I'm keeping this very objective. But I always happen to find that when it comes to the dating scene in Toronto, when people get sick of each other or when they're tired of bumping into people that that know somebody, that know somebody, that know somebody, then they always retreat and say that, oh, I'm tired of dating American men or or sorry, they say, I'm tired of dating Canadian men or Canadian women. I want to date Americans because they know how to treat a man or a woman better. Now, let's pump the bricks for a second. Just because you've dated one or two or three waste people in Toronto, that doesn't speak for the entirety of Canada, all right? Let's get that out the window because I always laugh when people have dated within Toronto or the GTA as a whole, and they, that's all they've known their whole life as far as like dating or what have you. And then when they get tired or they've had enough, then they always say, oh, I'm tired of Canadian people. You have to understand that you know, other cities don't operate on the same wavelength as Toronto. Like, the culture in Montreal is different. The culture in Ottawa is different. The culture in Winnipeg is different. The culture in Vancouver is different. Halifax, et cetera, et cetera. Like, even me going to Ottawa, for example, people operate differently over there. Like, their culture... As far as like dating and mingling and what have you, it's not the same as Toronto. In fact, I feel like, and I'm not trying to shit on Toronto when I say this, but like I've the last few times I've been to Ottawa, including like this past summer, I feel like people are are more hospitable. Like they know that you're an out of towner and you're in the nation's capital, and it's up to them to be very forthcoming and show you that hospitality. And in Toronto, unfortunately, even though we do have you know, hospitality as well. There are some pockets of people that act as if their shit don't stink and, like, they're, like, the Hollywood of Canada. And that's the wrong type of mentality to have. And I think that turns off a lot of people. So that's one thing. And another thing is, you know, this whole, oh, I want to date an American. They know how to treat man or woman better. If that's the case, like, if Americans really knew how to treat their spouses better, there would be no more Povich show. There would be no, you are the father. There would be no, my baby daddy don't pay child support. There would be none of that if Americans treated their own like like, like they're supposed to. So when I, whenever I hear men and women say, oh, Americans know how to treat people better, like if I hear a girl say, oh, American men know how to treat women better or whatever, it, I laugh. I laugh because... Again, if that was the case, no rapper on the track would, 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 would ever say the words, bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. Like, you really got to put that in your mind for a second. Think about that, compartmentalize, and then ask yourself, are American men really better than Canadian men? Or on the flip side, are American women better than Canadian women? It's funny because people base these assertions, uh, base these assertions on the fact that they went to a vacation to 
Miami or New York or whatever city they were in in America, and they got a different response than they normally get because they are the foreigners. They are the out-of-towners. And anytime you are a foreigner or an out-of-towner and you're on vacation, people will treat you differently. When you dress different, when you have a little... I am Canadian shirt pin on on your jacket. If you're wearing a Canadian tuxedo, people will look at you different and they will treat you different. And so when they see that you're different, their alarms go off because they're saying to themselves, hey, this person's fresh. Finally, something different, new and exciting. I want to, you know, take them around and see what we have to offer or whatever the case may be. It's different. It's refreshing. And most importantly, when you are new entering that element, you don't know the game. And that's the thing that, you know, a lot of people will harp on the most. You don't know the game. So when you're coming to someone else's territory and you don't know the game, you're a blank canvas. So you don't know you don't have to know about all the the quote unquote savagery that, that happens on behind the scenes and what have you. So that's why an American man, for example, will will take a Canadian girl and do the whole wine and dine treatment because they don't in their eyes, at least, they don't know any better. Same thing with an American girl towards a Canadian guy. They'll do the whole wine and dine treatment because, again, they don't know any better. They don't know the game. So stay in America for another year or two or whatever. Live there and then ask yourself if you're still getting that same hospitality that you got from the moment you first entered that arena. That's the thing that you really have to keep in mind of. And... This came to mind because I was watching Insecure, season one. Mind you, I'm still not even past season one. Yeah, I've passed season two. Don't ask me how. Um, that's another podcast for another day. But in one of the episodes in season one, it was like a social gathering they were having, and the girls were talking about how whack L.A. men are, this, that, and a third. And I'm laughing because, hold on, conversations like that happen outside of Toronto and I knew like I had an inkling that that would happen because every city kind of has the same type of social you know standard list or whatever you want to call it and so when I heard them mention it I'm like okay this is hilarious because this is what Toronto people talk about all the time so imagine if we could be a fly on the wall and listen to what other cities say about their own men and women then it's like why are we putting so much pressure on ourselves to impress the other based on someone else's standards from another country or another city? So at the end of it all, like when it comes down to it, you just have to figure out how to filter the good from the bad, basically. So if you are somebody who often complains about waste gal this or waste man that, don't put yourself around waste people. Waste people in general will always be the vocal minority, but they will be the minority nonetheless. That's what you have to keep in mind. And I know sometimes it's like finding a needle in a haystack, but sometimes it depends on what people you meet. Sometimes it depends on what kind of surrounding you're in. But either way, saying that, oh, I got to move to another city to find what I want, isn't exactly going to get the job done. You just have to find a way to maneuver through everything. And that's the bottom line. That's what it really comes down to. So... It may also depend on what you're looking for as well. If you're looking for a particular type of spouse or mate, or whatever the case may be, and they don't have the qualities that you're looking for, then either you have to keep on digging, keep on digging and looking until you find that, or you may have to alter what you're really looking for and ask yourself if that is truly what you're looking for. Not saying that you have to settle, but you have to ask yourself, 
is what you're asking from a man or a woman. Is that what you're truly looking for? If it is, continue that good fight and keep on fighting until you find that. But if not, then you may have to restructure the blueprint in that regard. But overall... To say that you want to go and date an American man or woman because you went through a whole bunch of waste people that you know you should have been dating with in the first place is kind of on you. It's an omission of responsibility. That falls on you. So that's what I would have to say about the matter. Saying that American guys are better, American girls are better, is just a cop-out because at the end of the day, if that were the case, then American men would view their women in the same light that you perceive them to be, and American women would view their men in the same light that you perceive them to be as well. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Either way, hit me up. Let me know what you think on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC. And when we come back from the commercial break, we got to talk about Serena Williams and this whole bodysuit controversy that took place this entire week it's been a hot topic it's nothing new but something that definitely needs to be discussed so until then we're gonna play some music so keep it locked this is cool radio it'll be right back after these messages yeah uh, yes yes y'all welcome back to the show once again it is your man dm cool and this is cool radio now let's get on to the main topic of the show okay let us talk about serena williams now First of all, Serena Williams, let me just start off by saying that she's one of the greatest athletes that we've ever seen in any sport. 39-time title winner. She's won the French Open, U.S. Open, Grand Slam Tournament, uh, Wimbledon. Like, she's won everything. Like, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure I made up a couple of those ones just now. But she has won everything that you can think of, and she continues to win. I mean, she's been doing this for, year, like, like, well over a decade, like a it doesn't make any sense as to how dominant she is. Like, she's just that damn good. But anyways, I can go on and on about her greatness, but let's talk about the specific story that basically took over headlines, um, whether it was in sports, politics, et cetera, et cetera, uh, throughout the news media circuit. So basically what happened was <clears throat> during the French tournament, she was wearing a bodysuit, all-black suit with a red band uh, on the waist, and it had the Nike symbol, the Nike swoosh symbol in the chest plate area. And basically, she verbalized the fact that that suit was inspired by Black Panther. So I heard about the headline. I'm like, oh, let me see this Black Panther suit. And the the homage to it was just the fact that it was a black, quote-unquote, cat suit, basically. But it didn't look anything remotely like the Black Panther suit. But that's whatever. Um and she mainly wore it for medical reasons. So as we all know, she had a child. But what we didn't know is that post-childbirth, uh, she was developing blood clot issues. So I guess that suit was helping to compress, you know, the 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 uh, inflammation uh, within within her insides or what have you. So nonetheless, that's why she wore it. And she also said it was a homage to Black Panther. Now. The uh, French tennis committee was not too keen on that, and so they decided that going forward, they would ask that her and other players alike not wear such a suit because they have to respect the game, as they say. So there was a lot of outrage by this, and rightfully so, because at the end of the day, Let's be honest, it was racist. It was racist, it was discriminatory because of the fact that Serena is a black woman who's a lot more athletic in appearance 
uh, in terms of her of her um, like muscle tone and muscle strength than majority of her competitors, and they feel as though that she has an unfair advantage against everyone else. And this woman has been tested for drugs and performance enhancement uh, drugs so many times, way more than anyone else, and she comes out clean each time. So they always try and figure out another way to try and bring her down, essentially. And I don't want to sound like a, a conspiracy theorist because at the end of the day, this is all fact, and this is not even the first time that she was questioned for wearing a particular outfit. But we'll get to that in, in, in just a short moment. So, like I said before, there was a whole lot of backlash. A lot of people were commenting on this. People were sticking up for Serena. Other athletes were sticking up for Serena. Hell, Nike was sticking up for Serena because they released a little little promo ad, uh, not like a commercial or anything like that, just like a, like a, like a picture. Basically, uh, her in that outfit, and the caption basically stated that you can't take the hero out of the woman. So essentially, they're standing by their by their athlete, and rightfully so. So, you know, when it comes to France, I mean, they're no strangers to racism. Like, France is one of the most racist countries in the world. Sometimes I wonder if they rival America in that regard because they hate black people, they hate Arabic people, they hate people who aren't white. They only like black people when it comes to their soccer team, henceforth the uh, the France national team that won the World Cup. And that team out of 23 players was comprised of 15 Africans. And some of the people, some of the, some of, some people got mad that uh, the Africans were, I believe they were singing the national anthem of their other countries. And it's like, oh, why can't you sing our anthem? I mean, they're wearing your freaking jersey. Isn't that enough? But anyways, I digress. I'm just providing an example of France's racism. It's just disgusting. But nonetheless, that's entirely what happened. So Serena, a couple of days after that incident, played in another game during that tournament and basically played in the most obnoxious-looking tutu. Now, mind you, the tutu was still all black. The top of it was like more of an athletic build, and the bottom was basically like a ballerina tutu, all fluffy and and what have you. And it was just the best way to kind of sip your tea at something that's so trivial. Because at the end of the day, when we're talking about outfits and respecting the game, there are some women out here who's, you know, bati you can still see under the, the little tennis skirt that they're wearing. So are they not respecting the game? I mean, is Maria Sharapova not respecting the game with half the outfits that she wears? But of course, because it's Maria Sharapova and she looks to be the more quote unquote marketable superstar in tennis, they're not going to say anything to her because they believe that she is the face of tennis or they at least want her or any woman that looks like her, quote unquote, white to be the face of tennis and speaking to her this woman has been you know charged on multiple occasions when it comes to drug use and alcohol use as well but we're out here still drug testing serena williams on any given sunday just because she's killing the competition but hey that is none of my business sip some tea to that Anyways, so yes, like I just say, stated, Serena responded to that to that whole you know fiasco by dressing in, in what kind of looked like to be an obnoxious uh, tutu, which I'm not mad at because like if you're gonna do petty, do petty right, and I'm glad she did petty. That was well deserved petty on her end. Now let's talk about you know other outfits she's worn. The other outfit that she wore, and this is a few years back, it was a bodysuit that. As far as the bottoms went, it it went up to her like 
her thighs area, like just midway to her hamstring, I would say. And it, it hugged up the booty. Let's be honest. It hugged up the booty. And the sleeves are cut off. The, the top is covered, whatever. It was, just, it was a full-out sexy cat suit. You know, cut-out cut out cat suit. I guess you could call it that. And it, it drummed up a lot of controversy, quote-unquote, just because that just because of the fact that Serena Williams is a naturally curvaceous woman. And black people, when it comes to black people, especially when it comes to black women, the stereotype is based on their bodies being very curvaceous and more voluptuous than the most other people's bodies. Now, it's a stereotype because not all black women are built like that, but naturally speaking, they are. But they've also been the point of ridicule when it comes to that. So this speaks to a race issue and it speaks to a gender issue as well because there have been plenty of black women in other fields of work, whether it be athletics, education, medicine, you name it, have been ridiculed for outfits that they wear that that are very form-fitting and hug up on their curves and what have you. There was a woman, I can't remember her name, but the internet gave her the nickname of Teacher Bay, and basically she was being ridiculed because of the fact that she was a curvy woman and she was wearing clothes that hugged up on her curves. Now, mind you, in all the outfits that, that, that were posted online when it came to this woman, she wasn't wearing anything that was revealing or heavily revealing her cleavage or anything that was riding up too high. She was wearing things that covered her from the neck down to her her knees, basically. Yet, because of the fact that she was a black woman who was very curvaceous, she was getting so much controversy and what have you. And really, it's just controversy from a whole bunch of racist white people who don't understand the fact that black women are for the most part, are just naturally curved. The same thing happened to a news broadcaster. I think she was uh, she did the weather report, actually. Can't remember for what network, but this happened at least a year or two years ago where she was being ridiculed as well because of the fact that she was wearing clothing that hugged up on her curves as well. So this is nothing new in America. And unfortunately, Serena Williams is the latest victim of that, but she's been a victim of that before. So again, I just find it very ridiculous that when it comes to black athletes or just black people in any facet of life, they always have to be second-guessed or questioned about what they wear or how they wear or how they present themselves all together, all because of things out of our control. Like, we can't control the way our bodies form. We can't control the fact that we have such muscle tone, just natural muscle tone. We can't control the fact that our hair is very kinky and coarse. That's just how our bodies function and operate. But, of course, if it was, like, somebody who fits the, quote-unquote, Aryan European standard who was wearing the exact same type of clothing, the narrative would be completely different. It would be something, oh, like, daring and, and spontaneous and edgy and so down-to-earth, while for us, we get demonized, and it's all, oh, they're ruining the sports. Oh, think about the children. Bah humbug. Like, get over yourselves. Serena wore a suit. For medical reasons. And I feel like everyone is just overlooking that overarching fact. It's like the whole debate with uh, NFL players kneeling during the anthem. And they're not kneeling to protest the anthem. They're kneeling to protest the civil unjust that's happening within communities of color. And they're using the, the, the anthem as their platform to make that statement. And rightfully so. But again, people keep making it about the flag. Just like in this scenario... They're making it about respecting the game when really it's about freedom of speech and expression. And Serena chose to express herself by saying that 
the suit was inspired by Black Panther because Black Panther is a superhero that wears all black. I mean, duh. But of course, because Black Panther symbolized, you know, black excellence and and Afrocentricity and pride in such aspects, then a lot of racist bigots are going to say, no, she's disrespecting the game. Me, 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 but humbug. I remember back in the mid-2000s when the NBA had a ban on baggy clothing, all right? Now, mind you, pardon me, mind you, this came off the heels of the malice at the palace when Ron Artest went apeshit. That's actually the wrong term to use because apes, black people, monkeys, whatever. He, he basically went wild. That's bad, too. Okay, he literally went wild. If you've seen the footage, the man went wild, okay? He went wild. He basically went into the stand and started fighting with the fans because someone threw a cup at him while he was lying on the scores table, and then all hell broke loose, all right? And since then, the NBA, in their eyes, had to go through an image rehab, and that meant that players walking into the arena in their regular clothes, it had to be clothes that were sophisticated. So players had to arrive in suits and ties and slacks and what have you to look professional but at the end of the day to me it's bullshit because we their industry the sports industry athletes they don't have to wear the same attire that we as i guess quote unquote regular working class people don't have to wear they don't have to wear suits and ties why should they they are playing a sport they have to wear athletic gear so what they wear to the arena shouldn't be any of our concern it shouldn't be why should it be as long as they show up and they play and they, they play up to their level, I'm good with it, you know? So this is 2004, and hip-hop was hip hop is always big-name fashion at the time. Players were rocking throwback jerseys, baggy clothes, and what have you. And let's be honest, when you're well over 6'5", you can wear the baggiest clothes because it's kind of hard to find a tailor out here when you're on the road traveling from city to city, playing game and game and what have you. So that was 2004. Now they've done a complete 180, and they've become a lot more liberal. They've been a lot more progressive. So players can wear whatever they want now. I think that ban, I don't know when that ban officially got lifted, but slowly and surely, year by year, people just started to forget about it. And now there's a new rule that I instituted just this week that players are now allowed to wear whatever sneakers they want. So before you got to wear sneakers that match your team colors, but now you can wear sneakers that have any kind of color combination that you want. And we normally see these sneakers on players when it's like All-Star Weekend or NBA Christmas Day or whatever the case may be, but now they get to wear it all year round throughout the regular season and in the postseason. So it's going to be pretty exciting to see because players are going to be a lot more creative and expressive with their, with their attire. And that's what fashion is. It's about expression freedom of speech to express your creativity and that's exactly what serena williams did so i think it's stupid for the french tennis community to have this ban going forward but really they only did it because of of their racist viewpoints towards serena williams and black athletes and black people all together because again if maria sharapova did this or any other white male or female tennis player then they wouldn't care but because it's Serena and because she's dominating and she just happens to be black, athletic, and curvy, then everyone's got a problem. At the end of the day, she should wear whatever she wants to wear. People shouldn't be governing what women should be wearing, what men should be wearing, or whatever the case may be. As long as they're doing their job, that's all that counts. So shout out to Serena Williams and shout out to whatever outfit she wants to wear 
on her next match. And shout out to the people who design her outfits as well because they obviously know what they're doing. That's just my take on it. Do you guys agree? Do you disagree? Either way, hit me up on social media at all platforms. On all platforms, my uh, my bad. At Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. After the commercial break, man, we got to get into uh, LeBron James. We got to get into Kanye West. We got to get into Tiger. So we will get into all that, but we got to play some music. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio, and we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yes, yes, yo. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. Now let's get into Trip Talks. So we're going to talk about three of the hottest topics that took place within music, pop culture, sports, etc., etc. And we're going to get right into it, okay? So, first topic we got to talk about. So, LeBron James, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if it's a podcast or if, or if it's a show, but it's called The Shop. It's basically, you know, people within a barbershop discussing topics that have to do with music, race, culture, etc. And a whole bunch of people kind of join in the conversation, like notable athletes and personalities and what have you. And one of the things that LeBron was discussing was double standards when it comes to black athletes versus white athletes. So kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier on in the show. So one of the things that he mentioned was the fact that whenever a fan tries to confront a player with like a video camera or like a camera on their phone, for example, the way that they're confronted, like whenever whenever they confront an athlete, what have you, there's a double standard in, in terms of how the situation is perceived when it's being documented on media. So he says, for example, you know, if I were to ever say something foul to a fan with their camera phone in my face, then the media would rip me for it. Whereas if we're a white athlete like an Aaron Rodgers, for example, uh, went through the same process, then... You know, the media wouldn't be so harsh. They would just say, oh, these guys are athletes. You know, they, they work you know, tirelessly day in and day out. We should treat them with more respect. But if it's a black athlete, then they would say stuff like, oh, he should know better. Oh, this is the life you signed up for, et cetera, et cetera. So after going, after, you know, hearing about that clip and what have you, I mean, I'm not surprised, you know, if that is the case. He definitely has a point. There definitely is a double standard uh, as far as how, white athletes are perceived versus black athletes, there's definitely no surprise in that because you look at someone like, I mean, if we, if we, were, to, if we, were, to, if we were to talk about, let's say, the NFL for a moment, you talk about a guy like Ben Roethlisberger who was, who's had, like, sexual sexual assault charges as well as, like, um, uh, sex, sexual assault uh, charges with, like, minors and what have you. He's been charged for that, and he still has a career in the NFL. Meanwhile, Colin Kaepernick, who's never broken a law that we know of at the very least, it's never been public. The man kneels a couple times during the national anthem, and now he can't even get a job in the NFL or barely can get a job in the NFL. He's been blackballed in the highest form. So there's definitely a bias that does exist. Now, when it comes to um, fan confrontation, that one is a little hard for me to speak on because even, even you know coming into the studio today, I was trying to think of times where a white athlete was confronted by a fan with a camera phone versus a black athlete. And I can't even think of the last time I saw a white athlete confronted with a video camera or a camera phone. Like, I'm trying to think about it right now, and I really can't. So if anyone can, please provide that for me. But when it comes to black athletes, there have been recent times I've seen where, you know, black athletes get agitated, and rightfully so. I mean, James Harden, you know, whipped a phone out of somebody's hand, and I think there might be a lawsuit coming for that. Hopefully not. Um, can't put your hands on people. I, I, let's just say that right now. And then there was a time where 
a fan tried to put a camera in Russell Westbrook's face after they lost game five of the first round of the NBA playoffs earlier this summer or spring. I think spring technically. And Russell reacted, you know, very I'm not going to say violently. That's a little extra. But he reacted very passionately. I'll say that. That kind of covers all bases. He basically said, yo, get that effing camera out of my face. And, like, he has every reason to be mad because he just lost a very important game. Didn't play the best to his ability. Couldn't get his team over the hump. Meanwhile, you got some random dude putting his camera in, in your face. And, you, like, you don't want any of, that, any of that into your personal bubble. So I can understand where he's coming from. So I'm sure LeBron... And LeBron's experienced it before. I'm sure he knows exactly what he's talking about. I just can't think of a time when a white athlete has been confronted with that type of hostility before. But I'd have to look more into like other sports, like baseball or hockey, whatever the case may be. Um, but I think the the double standard comes not in like how they're confronted, but how the media perceives it, basically. And I think he has a point because at the end of the day, whenever you're Whenever you're a person of color in society, there's always going to be a double standard against you regardless in any arena that you're in. And in sports, it's no different. And I think about a time when LeBron James was confronted by a fan with their camera. And I don't think they were confronted with a camera, actually. I think it was just a heckler. But the heckler wasn't that far away, maybe like two or three seats away from LeBron as he was walking into the tunnel with security detail. And that person basically said, LeBron James, you're the biggest pussy. Something like that. And it's just like, Guys, come on. Like, that's a little much. You got kids around. The game's done. Your team won against LeBron. Like, let it go. Like, it's a wrap. So, basically, the security called that fan out and said, hey, like, watch your effing mouth, basically. LeBron had to give them, like, a quick stare down real quick because it was just it was disrespectful. And I think even what I just said just now wasn't the full extent of it. I think it was a lot worse, to be honest. I'd have to research that clip once again. But... Again, LeBron has a point. You know, there's always going to be a double standard when it comes to black athletes versus white athletes. And what's happening in the NFL is a prime example of that. Again, Ben Roethlisberger, he has sexual charges against him, but it's still playing in the league. Colin Kaepernick kneels for the flag a couple times, and no team wants to sign him, even though he's, what, 30 at most? He's still well within his prime. But, hey, no one wants to give him a chance because he's anti-American, quote-unquote. But whatever. So I think LeBron has a has a point with what he's discussing right now. I think the media, especially, perceives it to be differently. The media will always have their own narrative. They control the narrative at the end of the day because they are the ones that people are watching for the headlines and the scoops. I'm included in that. Like, I watch media, but people watch me as a media member as well. So I always make sure to be objective and call it down the middle and how I see it as well so that I'm not dissuading anybody from what's actually really going on. But I think LeBron has a very candid and valid point there so i'm with lebron on this one no surprise but anyways what do you guys think do you guys agree do you disagree either way let me know on all my social media platforms at cool radio cc now let's get to the next topic let's get into kanye west mr kanye contradiction west okay so he went on a radio show in chicago and I think the radio interview was about an hour long, roughly. And they touched on a lot of things. One of the things that they touched on was the whole MAGA hat and the whole TMZ fiasco. So he basically apologized for that. He was shedding some tears about that as well. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw shade at that. Like I don't know if those are real tears or not, but whatever. I'll leave that one alone. What I really want to talk about is his explanation as it pertains to the the Drake the Drake Pusha T beef. Now one of the things that 
that was asked of him was if he gave information to Pusha T in regards to the Adidas rollout that he was planning for his son. And he says no, that he did not give Pusha T any of that information. All right. And then another thing that was asked uh, was, you know, like, why is there beef between you two? Like, what's the history and what have you? And one of the things that Kanye said was that Kanye stated that Drake tried to pull up on him because of the fact that he would not, or the alleged fact, I should say, that he would not give him a beat. All right? So here's what I personally think. Bullshit. Bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. All right? In case I didn't get that point clear enough, bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on that statement because we all know that Kanye was the one who gave Pushy T that information because Drake was the one who gave Kanye that information. All right? Here's the thing. Now, first and foremost, let me just go to Drake for a second. Drake shouldn't be trusting Kanye or anyone in the Good Music Camp in the first place. All right? Let me just get that out there. Secondly, for those who don't know, Kanye has been trying to sabotage Drizzy Drake ever since 2009. Ever since so far gone popped off, he has been trying to sabotage this man's career. When the when the music video for Best I Ever Had came out, it was supposed to be this grandiose event for Canadian hip-hop, the Canadian rap scene, for the rap scene in general. And then when Kanye was tapped to be the director of that video, he turned it into a sideshow. That video was filled with nothing but titties, titties, titties. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with titties, but for such a huge song to be coming out the radio, a song that was not even on an album, a song from, a, a, from an artist who's officially un, unsigned at that point, that's huge. Yet, you turn the video of that song into a mockery. Like, it looked like a parody. It looked like a Girls Gone Wild parody. Like, that song, that video made no sense at all. I don't know why Drake signed on to it. Maybe because he was happy of the fact that his mentor, not his mentor, but his idol, rather, was the one uh, behind the lens on that. But he should have just gotten Director X on that. That was terrible, all right? So that's one. That's point one. Point two, when Jay-Z came out with the Blueprint 3 in 2009, that same year, the lead single was supposed to be a record called Off That, which featured Drake on the hook and Timbaland on the beat. But Kanye, and these are the stories right now, but Kanye convinced him not to do that because him and Yeezy are boys and, and, and they should come first and all the other bullshit. So what happens? The first single, well, technically the first single was uh, Death of Autotune, but the next single that came out was Run This Town featuring Rihanna and guess who? Kanye West. Produced by, guess who? Kanye West. Right? So those are just two instances of Drake, or, or sorry, of Kanye West trying to sabotage Drake. And this happened nine years ago. He's been trying to sabotage Kanye for the, or sabotage Drake for the longest time. Now, yes, he has given him beats and, and, and worked on a couple of his songs and what have you. But he's only, he was only doing it for the money, for the money. Of course he's going to do it. He's been trying to sabotage the man. He's been trying to sabotage for the man for the longest time. And we all see through it. So, of course, when Drake is telling you this personal information, after the fact that you guys made peace on stage in Drake's own city of Toronto, he now trusts and confides in you once again. 
enough for him to write a song for you, mind you, for the money, of course, but nonetheless takes time out of his own schedule while he's getting his album ready to fly to Wyoming to write a song for you, and then he tells you this confidential information that he has planned, but then lo and behold, Pushy T gets a hold of it, baits him to a battle, and then now the story that added on comes out. I wonder who got that information. It's not Pusha T who got that information out of his own because he's not that privileged in the Adidas camp. Like, I get it. He's a, he's a cultural figure in hip-hop, but he's not on the upper echelon when it comes to rap icons. Kanye, on the other hand, is. And Kanye is arguably the biggest artist that's signed to Adidas right now who's a non-athlete. So the biggest personality, I should say, signed to Adidas right now who's a non-athlete. It's got to be him. I can't think of anyone else. Like, who else would have that information, especially when it was told in private? So, I'm sorry, but I call bullshit. I call bullshit. So, I don't feel sorry for Kanye West at all. I think he's lying. I think he's saying all this stuff to make himself not look like the bad guy because he's had an entire summer of looking like the bad guy. And Drake, I got to say shame on him a little bit for thinking that he can trust Kanye West. I know you guys broke bread, uh, you know, seemingly on stage a year ago and what have you, but... The guy's been trying to sabotage you for since 09, dog, for almost a decade. Nah, man. Kanye's call, Kanye is talking bullshit right now. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But what do you guys think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Hit me up on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC and let me know. And final topic. Speaking of cash money, actually, let's get into Tiger real quick. Now, I'm not here to roast his hairline. We're not here to do that. And to be fair, I didn't even know that he was getting plugs. But... We are going to talk about him nonetheless because he made headlines earlier yesterday or today that he is now looking to sue Cash Money Records for $10 million in which that he believes is owed through royalties that he did not get for certain singles and albums that he put out. Now, the original statement was that he wanted to sue for $1 million, but now he's up the ante to $10 million. Now, normally I would say, like, you guys stick by the numbers and be fair, but this is Cash Money Records that we're talking about, the graveyard of a record label, a record label who has once had the roster of Manny Fresh, of Juvenile, Turk, BG, Tony Braxton, Mac-10, TQ, uh, who else am I missing right now? The entire Young Money roster, uh, Currency, uh, and Lil Wayne, all right? And all of those artists, or a majority of those artists, have left, and they left why? Because they're being extorted out of millions. Now, my ears went up when Juvenile left not once, but twice. So I was like, oh, so he left the label, but then he went back to the label, but then he left again. Okay, that's a little that's a little odd. And then Mac Ten was on the label for a short time, but that wasn't really, you know, messing with my with my senses or whatever. My spider senses started tingling, or my Black Panther senses started tingling. Wakanda Forever, um, when Manny Fresh, in fact, left. Because he was one of the architects of Cash Money. It was Birdman. It was, I can't remember the, his associate's name, who's his brother. And then it was also Manny Fresh. He was one of the founding fathers of Cash Money Records and the sound architect of Cash Money Records. When he left in the mid-2000s, that's when I knew something was awry. And we all know that Lil Wayne was 
getting ready to leave to join Rockefeller Records until Birdman begged on his hands and knees and said, yo, if you stay on cash money, I will give you your own subsidiary label to, re to run and manage your own artists. The man puts out the dedication mixtape series, I think part one in early 2005 not only does he do that he also puts out the first ever young money mixtape which was him currency and mac main all right and then he put out the carter two and the rest is history at that point and now lo and behold little wayne is looking to sue birdman and cash money for money that he's owed as well as the release of his album and i think that's that already got settled actually so universal republic is actually going to release that album basically and i think it got released out of his contract with cash money as well it was a total buyout altogether so this is just a lesson to tiger and anyone else if you want to be an artist and you don't want to have to worry about your record executive and the the boss of your label robbing of your millions robbing you of your publishing, not letting you own your masters, being all up in the music videos, this sound familiar? Then don't join Cash Money because they are the modern-day version of Death Row and Birdman is the modern-day version of Suge Knight. And the only thing he isn't doing that's, making, that's not making the headlines is him hanging white boys from a balcony. That's all he's not doing. So please, if you're an artist out there and you are shopping your demo around and you're just looking for an executive to give you a chance... Do not, under any circumstances, unless you have a gun to your head, sign the Cash Money Records. And that is my PSA. And Tyga, extort them for all you can because you deserve it. And that will probably be the only time I'm ever on your side, so take it for what it's worth. But yes, artists out there, please do not sign the Cash Money if you know what's good for you. Do you agree? And I hope you agree. But either way, let me know on social media at Cool Radio CC to share your thoughts. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the main event of the evening, to cap things off, who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. Now, this week's Wankster of the Week is the shooter of the Madden tournament that happened in Jacksonville, Florida this week, okay? Now, this person's Wankster of the Week, obviously because of the fact that you massacred a bunch of people all because of the fact that you lost to the video game. Now, video game tournaments and, you know, fan expos and anything that, that you know, embraces the arts and, and, and what have you, they are supposed to be safe havens for the ills of society, for things like shootings and terroristic threats and what have you. That's supposed to be an escape for that. But now you've turned that into yet another place where people feel as though they will not be safe because of the fact that they feel that a violent shooter may come up and start terrorizing the entire facility. And that's exactly what happened. Not only that, but now after now that he's been detained and arrested and what have you, they're going to try and see if they can treat him for mental health. Now, I'm not mad at the fact that they're treating him for mental health to see what the hell is wrong with him. Mind you, he should still be prosecuted. Treat him for method, uh, mental health, but he should still be prosecuted. Let's not let that slide. But I'm just mad at the fact that the double standard word of the day or phrase of the day rather is is the fact that because he is white and a male that he is getting this type of treatment because we all know that if you're a black it would be gang related if he were arabic or muslim it would be you know extreme terroristic threat related if he were hispanic it would be an illegal alien 
uh, situation. So either way, if you were a person of color, they would waste no time. They'd slap the book on him, get it done over with, and they wouldn't even give him the mental health preferential treatment but because it's a white male it's a case of yet another again white privilege taking over that he's getting this type of treatment they should throw the book at him you have a gun i don't know if it was a registered firearm but even if it was you just still throw the book at him because of the fact that you massacred an entire bunch of people and the fact that they're saying headlines that he's going to be treated for mental health leads me to believe that they're not going to take the situation seriously they're going to probably give him a very light sentence to some, to, to some certain extent, and be done with it. Now, mind you, Dylan Roof got the death penalty, but they gave him that good old preferential treatment before all that had taken place. But we all know if this were a black man, if this were a Mexican individual, if this were a person of Arabic descent, he would have been wasted a long time ago. And so that is why I'm giving it the Wanks of the Week because of the double standard that comes with it and because of the fact that this idiot decided to throw a temper tantrum after he lost a video game and decided to shoot up an entire facility of people who are looking to escape the violence and any other ills of society. Does he deserve that wankster? Of course he does, but not more than he deserves jail time for life. And I'm going to give him the Wanks of the Week just like that. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank y'all for tuning in as you normally do. Uh, next week, we will, we will be back with my special guest, Jay Goody. He is also a friend of the show, come through many times, and he will be coming through once again. So we'll be discussing hip-hop, basketball, and all that good stuff. Uh, once again, it is my birthday this weekend, uh, September 3rd on the Monday. So happy birthday to me. Um, I will be very happy about that. And this is the last cool radio of the summer season, I guess. Uh, but we're always going to be back anyway, so that's kind of irrelevant regardless. But nonetheless, tune in as you always do, and I really appreciate it. And follow me on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC. And as you already know, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace.